Hey, everybody. Thanks once again for tuning in to another edition of Hang Time Overtime. This is the companion podcast to the Hang Time Michigan uh, video show that uh, features highlights and analysis. And uh, this is presented by the U.S. Army. We have a lot of fun doing this. It's an opportunity for us to uh, talk more at length and detail on subjects affecting boys basketball in the state of Michigan. My name is Lauren Plant. Scott Bernstein and T.J. Kelly are here on the mic as well. And uh, again, this, uh, like we kind of said on the video side, this is a, a great time of year, and this is a time where the cream really does rise to the crop. There are a lot of great matchups, uh, obviously, that we're seeing, but, uh, you know, this is where we need to see the stars shine. And that's what these events are for. Um, and that's why it's such a great platform yeah. to get matchups and to get um, – to get to see kids that maybe you wouldn't be able to get to see otherwise. Kids that are coming, you know, a lot of times you got kids from or teams from Metro Detroit going out west yeah. to play in events in Grand Rapids, to play in, uh, events in Muskegon, and vice versa, and vice versa yeah. which is really uh, pretty special. Yeah, you're getting four or five games, you know, in some cases at these uh, showcases. And, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about before the show, and you brought it up as, you know, the phenomena that is the showcase. And it was a, and it was a, yeah. slow, it was a slow, steady burn yeah. where it went, you know, in the mid-90s, they started the round ball classic, um, which was really the, the first incarnation of something like that around yes. here. Mm-hmm. And then in the 10 years, 11 years that I've been doing this uh, from a reporting angle, um, you could kind of see people playing with the idea, shaping it, trying to figure out, you know, kind of making it into a science, yeah. which is what it's become to the point now where we're into the late 2000 teens, 2020, and you're having these things on a weekly basis across the state, um, multiple different uh, 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 showrunners in terms of the people that are running the events. And for the most part, it's all very positive, great environment, you know, great bang for your buck in terms of what you're paying and what you're seeing. Yeah. And then you get to see all these marquee matchups that you would really probably never get a chance to see unless, uh, you know, they, they, they run into each other in the state tournament. But now you're going to be able to see those same games in December, January, February. Yeah, one of those big shots, the guy to your left. Yeah. So he's getting involved with a lot of these shows. He's, yeah. probably no, he's been yeah. one of the pioneers right. of, the, mean, of, this, of this concept. Doing more and more, and that's because there's demand, right? And, and exactly. there There's demand. Basketball is is huge. I mean, if you look at or high school basketball, I think that if you have an opportunity to go watch a game for five bucks, for ten bucks, it's a lot cheaper than going down to LCA or or whatever. I mean, even college is a little pricey, you know? Yeah. I mean, when you talk about concessions and all that, you want to go take a, say you take your son and his couple buddies or something like that, next thing you know, I mean, you're coming out of pocket a hundred bucks, you know, to watch watch a game you know, you could do that for far less than that and watch multiple games at, at these high school events. And I think that it's also cool. And I know that I was there as a kid growing up, you know, 19, 17, 16, uh, 21 years old, 20 years old. I remember watching Mike Bibby out in when I lived in Arizona. I remember that, you know, Chris Weber only living, being right around the corner from me. I think it's great to see guys like Todd Bergen and, and Willie Mitchell and Twig Hill and stuff like that from the yeah. guys that I watched when I was at Pershing, yeah. you know, when I had my driver's license and stuff like that. And now that, I get to see, you know, more basketball and the more basketball that's coming out of my years. You know, it, it said I, I still have to think about, you know, people that, uh, you know, that are really the basketball junkies that really want to watch games. I think that it's also important to make sure that everything is 
uh, there's some variation in, in, in the lineups that they have. Uh, you know, rather than just have the same 10 teams and, and juggle them around and say, all right, no, now you're going to play this team or you're going to play that team. I think it's important to have um, some of the smaller teams that might not get the recognition but are very due of of their uh, you know the, of everything that's that's coming to them as far as exposure and all that stuff and because hey there are a lot of really good basketball players there are a lot of really good coaches um, that deserve this platform. I think the best benefit for teams that are participating in these events is that you're able to manufacture or create a playoff like environment. Mm-hmm in a December game or a January game, which then prepares you for when you actually are in that playoff-type environment. Uh, and for kids that maybe haven't played varsity before, I mean, obviously the the blue chippers and the kids that are, are going to go play college basketball anyway, you know, pretty much, you know, the cream always rises. People find their water, and, you know, wherever they play, they're, they're probably going to show their stuff. Right. But for the complimentary guys, they need that experience, and it helps them. And I think that uh, for, a, for a team like you know, kind of – Going back to what we were talking about on the show with Waterford Mott, you know, this is a team that up until Isaiah Jackson getting on campus, there was no reason for them to play in these uh, these showcase events. But now, you know, a game like against Grand Blank at the arena, the the headlining game, the game that's on the marquee, um, you know, a a pretty full gym, that is great for the non-Isaiah Jacksons of that group. Because now, when they when they do run into St. Mary's, most likely in the district finals, they would have they're going to play a couple more of these things. So they're going to have, and they played some without Isaiah Jackson in the lineup. So they're going to have those big time matchups that, unfortunately, if you're Mott, you don't find in your league. So the 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 Mott of 2018 and 19 that yes, they both those teams won 16, 17 games and won the LVC and more credit, you know. Uh, more power to to Dave McGlown and that group uh, for for doing that, but we're at a whole other level now. When you got Isaiah Jackson, now you're talking about competing for runs to Breslin. You're talking about trying to win a state championship, and you need that type of experience to get to that spot. And I think a lot of other teams can can relate to that. Yeah, you're also getting uh, an opportunity to see some juggernauts go up against each other that won't, maybe won't meet in the playoffs because they're right. not in the different same leagues. Division. You know, yeah. Benton Harbor's in Division Two, and Ypsilanti Lincoln's in Division One. Well, they're not going to play in the playoffs. Different brackets. Getting an opportunity to compete against each other uh, in these types of high energy, high stakes, uh, you know, everything on the line, you know, kind of uh, atmosphere. I've seen some packed gyms uh, the last couple weeks, and I'm I'm really pleasantly surprised because I think we had been on a little bit of a dip um, in this brand new social media tech age where there's just so much other stuff to do except going to a basketball game on a Tuesday or Friday night. But whether it be the showcases or some other games I've been to, uh, you know, there have been sellouts where they're turning people away. And I really haven't been to a ton of those games that haven't been regional finals or quarterfinals um, in, the, in the last handful of regular seasons. And I've seen at least three or four of them already um, in the last couple of weeks, and that's really encouraging. Top to bottom. Wouldn't you say that the talent level in the state right now, and uh, obviously you guys uh, see a little more hoops than I do, uh, from freshmen all the it's way really through, good. you know, it's probably as good as it has been in the last decade. I, I, I would definitely agree. I think when we start coming along uh, the, the lines of, you know, having four or five top 100 players nationally, which we do, 
-hmm. this 2020 class, mm -hmm. which I'm more than sure we're going to have in this 2021 class. You know, for uh, sure, with, you're with, with, with Pierre Brooks, with Kobe Bufkin, with with Jaden Akins, with with uh, the the multitude of Julian Lewis, with all the, all the other players, you know, that are involved, Julian uh, Roper as well, um, that are that are all involved in this really strong group that are pushing each other. The 2022 class with Imani Bates speaks for itself. Right. Um, and then you look in this 2023 classes, as Scott mentioned too, and mentioned beforehand, you know, we've got some really good players. You bring up Curtis Williams, and I was thinking, I'm watching him. He reminds me a lot of Romeo Weems as a freshman. Mm. Um, built. They're built similar. They're similar very built. similar. They have, let's say this, there's some, some of the things that they do on the court, the vision and stuff like that. You can see that they know how to play basketball. It's about catching, catching up to high school speed, varsity speed, and then uh, putting your mind and your physical together. You know, because they're not there 100%, you know, just because they're, you know, 14, 15 years old. Yeah. Um, you know, we think about that, you know, tripping over our shoes or something like that, you know. And now, it, you know, as, as we get along in age, you know, it's, it's one of the coordination things that, well, we know what we can do when we play with it. We do things within ourselves, you know. My car can't make that turn, you know. I can't go that for whatever, you know. So you get you uh, applaud adjustingly uh, or you adjust um, – um, but for the right reasons, and I think that Curtis will be fine, uh, and he'll be a superstar to, to head that head that class of, of 2023. And if somebody else takes uh, the number one spot, or however that winds up moving up, it's a, it's just going to be great for the city. In terms of a pro in terms of a prospect, Curtis Williams is number one. But in terms of making an impact on a day, a, a game in game out basis, and uh, as a uh, more matured varsity level player at an at 14, Xavier Thomas is actually probably making more of an impact um, right now. Right. As as a high school basketball player, he's probably um, adapting a little quicker to the high school game because of his size and because he's realizing that not a lot of people can handle him on the post, even as a 14 or 15 year old kid. He's very wide. He's about six four, six five, undersized big right now, but doing a lot of positive things for Ricky Palmer. Curtis Williams is showing these flashes, these flashes of like, mm -hmm. wow, this kid could be a superstar. He can be special. But he, he it's not it's not happening on a play-in, play-out basis yet. Yeah, he's got to get there. And we were talking, you know, state champs has their all-junior team that they uh, we put out in every sport, male and female. And I was kind of picking TJ's brain before the show uh, that, you know, we're going to, you know, who who are our, you know, we'll talk about the class of 21 in basketball right now. Uh, you know, there are several juniors out there who are, uh, and of course, you know, we talked about Pierre Brooks Jr. And uh, we talked about, uh, who are some of the other names that you, that you. I mean, Julian Roper. Yeah, I mean, if you look Roper. at some of the guys that have, that have Big Ten offers right now. Um, you know, Pierre Brooks is the only one with a Michigan and Michigan State offer. Akins. Uh, Jaden Akins. Akins has a Michigan State offer. Uh, Kobe Bufkin. Yeah, DePaul Kobe Bufkin. is coming after him really hard. Michi Michigan State offer. Did PJ just get his Michigan offer? Yes. Uh, yep, yeah. over, over the break. Yep. Um, yeah, and I was there, yep. I was there when uh, Coach Howard, uh, Juwan Howard, was there watching PJ yep. uh, in the uh, one of the North Farmington um, – showcases mm -hmm. yeah so i mean but then you've got a couple of guys in to bring up north uh, north farmington and bashir jihad jihad well, uh, you want to talk you about know, upside yeah a and huge upside. salivating and that's what and that's what you're talking about when you're talking about showing flashes you know there's a lot that bashir shows that guys like marcus bingham showed you know a little bit of his junior year mm -hmm. 
you know, and it's just like, I'm trying to figure it out. What's he going to do? And then you start thinking, well, how many other guys are out there are really six foot nine? They can, that are a threat to, that are a threat to shoot, that, 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 that move, that are, that are agile, that are athletic. And, you know, and the thing about Bashir is, I mean, he's could be in the class of 2022. He's that young. And, uh, you know, just looking, looking into the future, and I think that that's one of the things about scouting, it's speculating where a player is going to be not his freshman year, but where he's going to be a sophomore or junior, even, you know, as a senior. You know, it, is this guy going to be able to help this team win a championship three or four years down the line? Will he be able to start as a sophomore? Because everybody's got a, you know, there's a learning curve as a, you come in as a freshman. I mean, we were all in college. I mean, shoot, you're going to tell me that first week in, in college, it's like, hey, TJ, here's some reality for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and there, there you went up one, wind up going off and taking care of what Bashir has such a velvety stroke. Um, I swear his shots hit nothing but net. But, the finesse game is there with him. The, the, the physical attributes are there with him. I mean, he's 6'9", he's long, probably 6'9", with a 7'5", wingspan. And like I said, he shoots it. Very soft stroke. The thing, the, the light bulb that's going on in his head right now that I've seen in the last couple times I've seen him play in the last couple of weeks, he's realizing that he can assert himself in the post, and nobody can deal with that. Against Farmington, uh, North Farmington and Farmington played, I believe it was uh, right after the new year, and Bashir was kind of getting bullied in the, in the first half against kids he should not have been getting bullied against. I don't think he scored. Second half, he scores 16 points, grabs 10 rebounds, completely takes over the game, and a lot of it was happening in the post where he was jump-hooking over people, grabbing rebounds, reverse layups, um, and, and showing off some of his moves with his back to the basket. And, you know, when when... When, when the full 360 game of Bashir Jihad's finally flourishes, you're going to have one very, very special, intriguing prospect. And maybe, maybe that's that, that, that respect that Tom Negotian keeps on talking about. You know, he can't get no respect. Well, he's one of these kids that blew up over the summer. You know, as a, uh, as a sophomore last year, broke into the starting lineup in the last, I think, five, six games of the season. Wasn't a guy that was really that much of a threat to – to, to do a lot in the stat sheet. Last year, he's a guy that could give you five, six, seven points a night. Now he's a guy, legitimately, every night, he can get you 20, he can get you 25, um, and he can take over a game. And he's only 15 years old, and he's a junior. Right. Yeah. And they've got River Rouge this weekend? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you get to watch a great and, matchup. We talked about Legend There's the Jeter. other junior. Yeah. A le- legend the top legend junior. Jeter is... Legend Jeter is quickly moving into the, the top five in that 2000. Uh, 21 class. So he's just doing so much. Uh, I know that Nebraska was in to see him play on Tuesday afternoon, or excuse me, uh, uh, into Rouge's practice on Wednesday. They just played Ohio State on Tuesday night. So they made that trip, that special trip, to come to come see uh, uh, Legend Jeter. And, and I'm telling you, I, I've got no qualms about saying I think there are so many comparisons to his game and Yante Maton at the, at the, at the same stage. Um, whether they want to, whether Legend winds up growing a little bit more, you know, to a, a, a legit six eight six nine, um, that is yet to be said. But you talk about size, you talk about some 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 ferociousness, some some they're getting after it. You know, I think I think Yante for him, he he kind of got snubbed, you know, maybe from a few offers or maybe coaches weren't. Yante got overlooked and then point and then, blank until yeah, his until senior, his yeah. state tournament run of his senior yeah. year. 
Um, yeah, and Georgia was rewarded for being really the first major school to come in and show a lot of interest, and we've spoken about it on here before. They had a guy for the entire second half of his senior year. They flew someone to every single game. I'll let you know. There in the I'll, let, I'll let you know who that player, that coach is. His name is Jonas Hayes, and now he's an assistant yeah. coach at Xavier. And wow, it's got Scooby and and and, and oh my, uh, Butler. Sorry, Butler. I apologize. Um, but uh, yeah, it was. It, so the other day, I get a text message from the. From the top dog at, at Xavier, and he's asking me, "Hey, that's about this legend Dieter kid." You know, I was like, "Ask ask your coach about Dante Mayton." I was like, "I've already yeah. I've already given him the spiel." You know, it's yeah. pretty much whatever I'm going to tell him. I've already told him, and I'm sure he's telling you. So, you know, he's going to start getting some of those looks. Whether he winds up going uh, to a Big Ten school or go, going out to uh, you know another Power Five school like Yante, um, that is, that's yet to be said, but. I'll tell you this, who I think whoever winds up getting him is they're going to be extremely happy. And he's also had the the privilege to be coached by Lamonte Stone, who is a who is a coach. Knows how to get guys to the next who is level. At, who is, who's been a coach in the MAC, been a coach at the big in the in the Big Ten. So he really knows what it takes. Yeah. Let me just say one thing about Legend Jeter, and I've I've said this in uh, about prospects and about the recruiting system in other sports, football. I think sometimes you just have to get past the measurables and you just, you, you judge by the eye test and yeah. legend Jeter might only be six, 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 seven, but you can't tell me that this kid isn't a high major prospect right. and whether he grows or not, he's still someone that can contribute at that level. And, you know, he's got all the X factors and all the intangibles that sometimes get overlooked because someone looks at him and says, well, he's not tall enough to be a, a high major mm-hmm. And they always schedule some of the best competition. I mean, they beat Ypsilanti Lincoln out yeah, of the gate. Yeah, you know, yeah. it was legend Jeter. And that he was, played uh, very, very well against King. We're going to yeah. see a, a, a top two big man matchup when they play North Farmington. Yeah. We're in North Farmington this yeah. Saturday. And they'll have Benton Harbor in a few weeks. And, and, and uh, then, you, yeah, then you add in Benton Harbor. You yeah. know, I mean, he, he went up against uh, Grand Rapids Catholic Central. Yeah. You know, and they've got Marcus Bingham's younger yeah. brother, yeah. Mikhail Bingham. You know, so there he's been tested. And he goes yes. out there and he produces. And after a while, um, you stop having to make excuses and just have to call it for what it is. Well, speaking of producing. Uh, and if we're talking about teams, you know, this is an opportunity for us as we get through the season to kind of focus on teams that uh, look about as good as anyone. You got to see Orchard Lake St. Mary's again last night. Yeah. Uh, talk about the way this Eaglet team is playing now. We know what Lauren Bowman does. We know he's maybe in my eyes the front runner for Mr. I, Basketball. I, I have him as my front runner. Okay. Uh, but as a team... Uh, they're so much wow factor. Yeah, exactly. It uh, kind of harkens back to uh, you know a few years ago when uh, they they were a force to be reckoned with when they had the, uh, I, I haven't the former uh, or the former uh, point guard Kalen Lucas. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I haven't. I personally haven't covered a St. Mary's team in my ten years of doing this that have this much electricity, um, this much playmaking, this much firepower, and it goes way beyond Lauren Bowman. Um, obviously, Lauren Bowman is a is a very very special player, yeah. game changer. Um, I saw him last night against Catholic Central. They put up ninety five points. I believe the final score was ninety five fifty five. Um, St. Mary's could have scored one hundred twenty five if they had wanted to. Wow. Uh, and Bowman had again it, it, he he showed that he's more than just a scorer. He had twenty six points, but he also had six rebounds, six assists, three steals, yeah. um, and he was really generating offense for other people. Um, and as we, as TJ and I have said now for the last three years, just a picture perfect pull up jump shot. It, it, I was saying how about Bashir uh, Jihad hits nothing but net. Man, nothing but 
nylon for Lauren. <laughs> double, double, every yeah, time, just, just knocking them down on double rings. Tickling the flesh. Just, 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 you know. Yeah, you, you take them all. ivories. You, you take them all by uh, was it one, one of the one of the gyms on Dexter or Davison and chain, Davison and Livernois and stuff like that. And you, nothing but then the chain, with the chain hoops but, uh, the, on the double rims, of course. Julian Roper, explosive. He had four dunks um, against Catholic Central last night. Uh, one of them where he went coast to coast right through the middle of the defense for a one-handed jam. Another one where he took a, a, a Bowman made a steal. And pushed it ahead to uh, Julian, and and the, the pass was a little bit in front of Julian, and he had to kind of go onto the baseline. And everyone thought that the the, the play was over, and they were going to go into a, a, a half court set. And Julian Roper was like, "Not quite. I'm going baseline, and I'm jamming over two guys uh, from Catholic Central." So you know, Julian Roper, another guy that uh, can do a lot of different Pitbull. things out there. Pitbull, super big, awesome. high, very high motor. He can shoot it. He can get to the, the rack. rack. Do they do they remind you of like what UD Jeswell was like, for instance, in in Cassius days there, where you had so many weapons. You had the twins, and then you had and Kareem Rozier is coming into coming into his own on offense right well, now. I guess who who would you who would maybe this team the way it's made up now remind you of? Uh, you know some champions that we've had in the past. four Division One guards yeah, right now. Talk about deep, deep teams. Um, I mean, let's. I mean, they got so many guards. The last team that I remember that was really guard heavy was like this was Lansing Sexton or um, with or Anthony the- with Anthony with Anthony uh, Solent or not Anthony um, Anthony Clemens who wanted playing at Iowa. Obviously Denzel Valentine Forbes, and then you had in. Uh, 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 a miniature Bryn Forbes to what he is now. I mean, right. he's six foot tall. You know, before he goes to Cleveland State, now he's six foot five and playing for San for the San Antonio Spurs. Yeah. I'm not saying that anybody from Orchard Lake is going to go play in the NBA or anything like that. But Hopefully we're just that talking high school. Yeah, we're Apple talking about high school basketball, Mark White, Re- and we're talking about some real tough guards. Yeah, Mark White's the Renaissance Mark, teams. Mark White yeah, yeah. Renaissance teams of the early 2000s. Absolutely. Yeah, um, just you, you talk about. Uh, I want to say Saginaw, their backcourt, you know, with with uh, Daniel West, Mike Green, um, you know, they were they were tough. But when you just talk about teams with with just guards and a couple of bigs that that are able to f- fill their role and go out there and be this tough, um, yeah, it's, there's there's not a lot of teams that you can really yeah. make that. Comparison. And I really like Peter Nowoki. I, I'm kind of. In some ways, uh, I'm higher on him than some other scouts. Mm-hmm. He's got a, a Division One offer from OU. He's a guy that sat out his whole freshman year. Right. He's the center for the Orchard Lake St. Mary's team. Right. He's six eight. Uh, comes from um, Sudan. He comes from somewhere in Africa, Nigeria, somewhere in Africa. And uh, you know, he's a guy that I, I hear has a four point GPA. Uh, a type of uh, a kid that is a junior right now who's got like a 1300 or 1400 on his, on his SAT, so has a chance to play uh, Patriot League or Ivy League. Um, and he's a kid that, you know, on a lot of other teams, I think would be averaging a double double um, and is benefiting a lot from double teams and alley oops and, uh, you know, Kareem Rozier, Roper, and Bowman dissecting and, and having a defense collapse. Yeah, Jason, Jason, Jason Drake, Drake looked great. He had 19 we last year. We talk about some of the best players in the 2022 class. I think Jason Drake is. They have four, guard, they have four guards, uh, three which will probably play high major. And Kareem Rozier, the point guard, who might have difficult playing high major because he's only about 5'9". But, man, as a high school point guard, he is really the epitome of a coach on the floor, a true floor general. And now this year he's showing that he can pop it from three. 
and he's a much more of a scoring threat. He had 15 points, eight assists yesterday. Um, but uh, you know, when you have all of this, um, all these toys to play with, I think the only thing that can get in St. Mary's way right now is St. Mary's if they start um, backbiting about amount of shots or who's getting the high, uh, who's getting the headlines. And it doesn't look like that's the case. It looks like they all get along, but you know, right now they're, they're on, they're on the war path and and they're, they're frankly, they're they're a buzz. So one of the games that we'll be covering from the uh, Horatio showcase at Ferndale is Orchard Lake against Flint Beecher. Uh, So that coming up uh, and they've, they'll then take on uh, next week, uh, Warren De La Salle. Who is they got, uh, they got, you, they got and, Beecher UDJ on they got UDJ on Friday, yeah. Beecher on Saturday, and Dealers on Tuesday. Tuesday, and then a week later they they'll have bro- Brother Rice. Yeah, so, sounds like fun. Yeah, so <laughs> and so it'll be interesting to see how they yeah. do. In this Wait, you know who we forgot to talk about with freshmen, Sonny Wilson. Yeah, UDJ. We did, we did not yeah. mention that. I was going to throw it in. We were running so yeah. long. I was. Sonny Wilson is, is a is a yeah. very um, very. He's a phenomenal freshman that does uh, that, that 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 displays a level of diversity in his game that I haven't seen from a lot of youngsters. Uh, I saw him uh, slash into the lane against Catholic Central um, and, and split a defense and and look really good doing it. He crashes the boards really good for a guard, and uh, then he hit a big step back three um, to beat uh, CC down the wire uh, last week. He's a guy that uh, is a name to look for. He's, he's C.J. Wilson's little brother. C.J. was an all-Catholic League point guard at uh, Orchard Lake St. Mary's, and I believe that's that. Yep. So if you watch our Hangtime Michigan highlight show, uh, we talked about t- kind of you know the freshmen that are making impacts. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that was one uh, omission that uh, I'm and glad got, that he, you he, set the record straight. And he got the best of the, uh, omission to the uh, Brother Rice right. trio last night. Yes. Um, UDJ beat uh, Brother Rice by a point. Um, so Sonny Wilson won, Curtis, okay. uh, Curtis Williams, Xavier Thomas, and Henry Garrity zero. Okay, I like, how right not, I like how these guys in the the Catholic League they're not ready to give up their reins to to the young new guy on the block. You know the the, the sub forty Rick Palmer. There you go. There you go. So again, we're transitioning now as we kind of wrap up the podcast. Uh, TJ will have some new rankings coming out this weekend. I assume that number one will stay the same with Orchard Lake St. Mary's. I will be there on Saturday. We will find out. We'll find out. I will not be there on Friday. Okay. Uh, but also, you know, rounding out your top five. And again, this isn't saying where you're going to go. Uh, just kind of your thoughts as you are starting to put them together. You had Ann Arbor here on two. You had Grand Blank three. You had Clarkston four, Hudsonville five, uh, Grand Rapids Christian six, North Farmington seven, Grand Rapids Catholic Central eight, River Rouge nine, and Ipsy Lincoln ten. Yep. You see maybe some movement in that top ten. Uh, well, Grand Blank, Grand Blank, Grand Blank drop in their second game. Okay, um, they're gonna there's gonna be some movement there. Uh, Waterford, you know, might playing a lot better. I mean, with the addition of Isaiah Jackson, you had him at thirteen. Yep, they they'll might be bump they'll up. they'll be they'll be top ten. Um, North Farmington losing to Ann Arbor here on on neutral on a neutral site. Right. I'm not so sure how much I'm how much movement will go on there. Uh, but North definitely was coming off of a game the night before. They played like two games in less than yep. twenty. So yeah, you're acting like Ann Arbor Huron didn't play, play yeah, the night it, before, it, man. It, 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 <laughs> I know that was the first thing uh, Coach Negotiant said as soon as together. It's like none of my guys are playing today. You know, because he knew we were filming the game. He's like, we had you know West Bloomfield last night. You know, and stuff. And I was like, well. Right. Hey. The 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 battle of Central o- o- Oakland County. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah. Um, I can also. Well, Clarkston's going to wind up moving up a little bit. 
Uh, they'll move to three. Uh, Hudson, they'll move to four. Uh, Grand Rapids Christian move up to five. I can definitely see that. Um, you know, there's there are a lot of teams up there, and we're and, you know we're getting into the nitty and the gritty yes, of the exactly. season. Uh, teams are you know they're they're going along and they're playing in their leagues and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, we talked about East Lansing earlier. Wound up losing to Okemos. Noah Pruitt had a strong game for Okemos. Um, You know that's and that's a rivalry game, and that's when you really find out the you know who's for real. A lot of the times. You know how you are handling some of these rivalry games, how you are handling some of these showcase games, and uh, yeah, uh, so far, uh, you know, Clarkston, you know, they're doing it. You know, yeah, uh, I, I saw Fletcher Lake go for forty-two yeah, over the break. You know? Yeah, Orchard Lake Sam Mary's doing it, and then I saw Fletcher Lake go for twenty-seven last week against Oak Park. Right. He is, uh, dare I say, maybe even more of a natural scorer than his brother Foster. Foster was a true point guard mm-hmm. and controlled the game. Uh, from from the floor general spot, Fletcher doesn't do that. But um, Fletcher's taller; he's about six three. He shoots it a little bit better than than uh, than his brother, and is just automatic. Every time he shoots the ball, looks the exact same. Um, one thing I'll say about Clarkston that gives me a little bit of pause for uh, a deep run in the state tournament: they've got some depth issues right now, because outside of Fletcher and Nicholson. Um, Keegan Wasilk is obviously really good, the sophomore point guard, but uh, they don't have anyone that's even coming close to being an, a threat offensively, and they need to get some at least mid-level contributions from some of the, the role players um, to, to keep everyone honest uh, because if, if Fletcher's not shooting it well, uh, I'm not sure where they get their perimeter offense from. Matt Nicholson is dominant in the post. So you're always going to be able to dump it down to him and, 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 and do damage that way. But usually Clarkson has, even when Dan Fife was coaching and he didn't like to play a bench, he still had three or four guys that he wasn't playing that if he decided to play would have made an impact. I was, I was, I was going to bring that up. I remember you saying, uh, is it last could, year or two play, years? If he, if he could, could play four, he, he would. play four, he would. <laughs> and that's talking about Dan Fife. Uh, yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, you know, and the thing is guys have to find time to, to step up, you know, the opportunities here, hey, you're a sophomore, you're a junior hey, this time, this isn't going to happen very often. The other thing is Matt Nicholson demands a double team and he's also a phenomenal passer. So if you can great spot pass, up, great pass if, out you of can, double if, team. if you can move well without the ball and find a spot on the court that you really like, there's a chance that you're going to be wide open and Nicholson is going to find. And Nicholson's a great facilitator from the high post, very high basketball IQ and there's a level of uh, uh, tenacity and aggressiveness that I don't want to say was missing last year, but he was just kind of finding it because he didn't play. He was on varsity as a freshman and sophomore, never saw the floor. Right. So this is really – he's only been playing varsity basketball really for a season and a half now. About 25 games. Yeah. So he is, uh, he, he is, the, he is the real deal. And, and Coach Collins and Coach, Coach Borovic, yeah. shout out Seahome Maples, right. Class of 97, uh, yeah. who, who have done all the, uh, the most of the recruiting. When game. it comes to Nicholson, it's, it's, he's going he's gonna to make a lot of people very happy uh, in Evanston. Game. Yeah. For, for him, for what they're trying to do over there. And uh, obviously, uh, high IQ is big. He's got a big one. The quarterback, Mike DePillo uh, from Clarkston, who was uh, dealing with, I think, mono, um, just got back into the lineup. And he could be that boost. He yeah, could be that guy. Five that, and, and I really like them. He gave them spot minutes last year as a freshman. But every time I saw him in the game last year as a freshman, he was doing positive things. So I think once he you know, gets fully healthy and gets into that starting lineup, he could be that, that, that missing piece. Well, the good thing is uh, 
these showcases get an opportunity for TJ's top 25 to see a lot of these teams playing each other. So a lot of teams in our top 25 right now, which you can read at statechampsnetwork.com, are playing each other, whether it's a 12 versus a 6 or a 19 yeah. versus a 10. Uh, you know, there's a lot of great matchups, and this is going to really shape how the rankings move uh, the rest of the season because we're getting matchups, you know, between ranked teams. Yeah, if I could bring up one one team, uh, Wayne Memorial, um, yeah. t- they bring in Ty Fortney, um, I think Monday. He's eligible. I think, uh, so he'll be eligible on Monday. Uh, but six foot eight. Uh, they need the help. Really athletic center. And they do need some help. They were pretty much top ten across in everybody's in everybody's rankings. And Dante Foreman, I would yep yeah, with Dante Foreman. I think that they need to find you know just to find their identity. I think that Ty is definitely going to be able to help them out, um, just because he's so athletic in the in the post, and you know just kind of give somebody a relief. You know, sometimes sometimes kids get stuck out on their court and the, out in the court, and they're trying to figure it out for themselves, and it can become frustrating. And if you don't have anybody to sub in for, you know, X player, then that kid's got to figure it out for himself. And sometimes that results in the fouls, technical fouls, you know, just that, you know, frustration fouls. And I think that Ty's going to be able to alleviate some of that, those coaching moments when Juan Young will be able to call some of those guys over and say, hey, look, this is what we need to do. You need to make sure because they're going to switch here or they're whatever, you know, and they're just explaining the offense or offensive or defensive game plan. And I could see that I could see Wayne Memorial even though they are far from being in the top 25 now, I could see in the upcoming weeks when they do start gathering some wins uh, for them to get back into the top 25. Last word, are there any players that you can think of that uh, are becoming transfer eligible to play now that may transform some of these teams that – just what we just yeah, yeah, that yeah. One. Ty, Ty is Ty Fortney is is the leader there. And there are not too many other all other the transfers kids. Oakland County um, all got eligible right away. You know okay. what? Um, oh, it's, it's killed me. I forgot his name. Uh, transferred over from uh, Ferndale over to Troy. Oh, D Anthony D Anthony Hamilton. Yes, but there's a there's a health issue there. If D Anthony Hamilton was able to play, he's a guy that would have started at Ferndale this year. Um, came over to Troy. He's a wing, about six two, six three. Would, six three yeah, would really augment what they're what they got in the backcourt which is a, which is a, a, a high a high echelon backcourt in Brody Parker the OU commit and um the immersion twins so he should be eligible he is eligible but there's been he's been dealing with a ankle issue and I think a knee either an ankle or a knee that he's been dealing with since last year and from what I understand it it's 50 50 if he's ever gonna actually get on the floor but if he gets on the floor um, he could do a, a lot of real. Uh, it's because he brings something else. You know, you know, he, you know, he brings. I'm not going to say that he's Leon Ayers, but I mean, he kind of brings in, uh, you know, some some athleticism, somebody who can help hit the boards. He'd be a big difference. You know, I'm watching. For Troy. I'm watching the game on Tuesday night versus West Bloomfield, and man, hey, if, if Troy's getting a rebound. They've got to. They've got to be picture perfect box outs because they're not they're rebounding small. over anybody. Yeah. Uh, speaking of 50-50, I remember a conversation we had not too long ago where that's what it was about Isaiah, Isaiah Jackson, Jackson, right? Hey, yeah. your boy. <laughs> I'm like, hey, I'm, yeah, I'm, a, I'm super that, excited that, that he's on the floor and we get a whole year of him, and that's great. I, I was a little uh, nervous about where we were, where it was trending in those first couple of weeks. We didn't really – there, yeah, there wasn't a lot of really uh, clarification yeah, on exactly right. what was going on. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's great. And, and we talked about eligibility issues, yeah. whether it was a health thing or not. Right. Like, mm-hmm. Could he even play just because of transcripts and things of that nature? Well, and the, the one thing that 
raised a red flag with me was that he was supposedly was out with an ankle injury and was wearing a, a boot right. uh, during the game. And then after the game, I see him without the boot on, and I was like, well, that just raised some questions. Boots or no boot. Yeah. <laughs> not the boot. Boot. Seemed like he wanted to be on the, he wanted to be in the boot when there were cameras and reporters, and then when he didn't think there were going to be cameras and reporters, yeah, he didn't have the boot on, so that made me start asking some questions. Kind of like dropping a book in the yeah. in the in the in the Judge Wapner's uh, <laughs> courtroom. But he came. He came, but he, you know what? He he came <laughs> back and it and the some sitcom the dividends yeah, the dividends uh, that they received were immediate. They went mm-hmm. and they beat Detroit King in his first game. Right. So and then King came back a couple of days later and put a running clock on Farmington. Right. So it, it showed you. What a major difference Isaiah Jackson makes in the lineup because the two games before that against Edison and Huron, they had gotten pounded. Yeah. Well, Isaiah Jackson's hard to – I mean, you can't duplicate what he what he does if you're in practice. I mean, you, you can't say, hey, well, here's a broom. All right, well, I want this broom right here to go up and down the court. Boom, 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 back and, back and forth. I imagine Isaiah could probably run a 40 in probably under five seconds. Yep. You know, and that would be pretty much like, hey, this is what you're going to do. And he's like, oh, I've never done it before. Just go ahead and you'll be they, fine. They reap quick benefits from getting him on the floor. And like I said, it was immediate. You know, they he's beat, a, they a, beat King, and then they beat King, and then their next two games, they averaged like 85 points. Right. Yeah, right. so, yeah, they're going to kind of get through the meat of the uh, LVC. Which won't uh, test them at all. Which won't yeah. test them at all. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah, I don't see. You hear that, yeah, Wall I mean, Lake that's Northern? All, that's all. That's all. You're yeah. on the clock. That's all they've got. Wall they, Lake Northern's got pretty. Wall, no, Wall Lake Northern's pretty. They've got that's Western, good. Northern, Lakeland, South Lyon, Milford. That's all they got. Northern, going Northern's no not bad there. this year, and Waterford might put a running clock on or came close to yeah. it. Yeah. All right. Well, this clock has expired. So uh, that is another edition of the Hangtime Overtime Podcast presented by the U.S. Army. I'm Lauren Plant. This has been Scott Bernstein and T.J. Kelly. We do this each and every week. If there are certain topics that you'd like us to discuss here, because it is, again, a little more free form and uh, long form, uh, you certainly can. You can email me personally. Uh, you can actually use the email idea at statechampsnetwork.com. That one works well. And uh, uh, I will check that, and uh, we can talk about it here. Um, but otherwise, uh, we have a lot of great games coming up this weekend. Uh, we will all be at some of the showcases and some of the uh, better matchups. So uh, we'll talk again next week. If you see us at the games, tell us uh, you like the show or what you want to see on the show or hear on the show, and we will respond. Otherwise, we will see you at tip